This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This episode is brought to you by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough reinvention. Explore the human-led tech-powered solutions that help you reinvent. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at pwc.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every year, teams have to protect some of their top coveted prospects in order to not lose them in the Rule 5 draft. In order to create some 40-man roster spaces, the New York Yankees made some eye-popping news on Friday night. We're going to break down all that news and more on episode 150 of the Pinstripe Talk podcast, which begins right now. You are listening to the Pinstripe Talk podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Pinstripe Talk podcast, powered to you by Delahanty Media. I'm your host, Nick Delahanty. It has been some time, but we have some Yankees news to talk about with you. Episode 150. Can you believe it? The journey has taken us to this point. It's been amazing at this rate. We have been having such a great time talking Yankees baseball with you. We hope that you continue on our journey because we have a lot more in store for you. Before we get started, reminder, because it's been a while, you can find us on social media at Pinstripe Talk ND and at Nick Delahanty on Twitter. Find us on Facebook by searching up Pinstripe Talk Podcast. And of course, you can find the Delahanty Media brand on any social media platform. All you got to do is type in Delahanty Media and it will come right up. And of course, if you're already listening to our show, you found our show, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, you name it, the shows that they're available for you but we ask you to take it a step further. Please hit that subscribe button, like, rate, review, whatever your podcasting platform offers. Give us a shout out. Help us promote our brand. All of that is definitely appreciated. And of course, as the holidays roll in, check out our Delahanty Media store by going to our website. Help support the brand and get some really nice looking gear. 
with that being said, we have a lot of news to talk about. The New York Yankees had to make some roster moves prior to the 40-man roster deadline to protect players from the Rule 5 draft. Now, for those of you who may not be informed about what the Rule 5 draft is, the Rule 5 draft is basically a situation where teams have the opportunity to essentially take players from other organizations. And the reason that Major League Baseball has this set up, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a a fake example here. Say that I'm a outfielder in the Yankees organization. The Yankees have a ton of outfield depth. They have some outfield prospects ahead of me. After a certain amount of time in the minor league system, players become eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And when they become eligible, depending on what level of the draft it is, players could take them and put them onto their roster. So let's just say that I'm part of the major league portion of the Rule 5 draft. And the Yankees don't protect me on their 40-man roster. That means that any other team in that draft can select me and add me to their roster. So I'll give you an example. Say the Seattle Mariners draft me out of the Rule 5 draft. If it's in the major league portion... I must stay on that roster for the entire season. And if you're injured, that counts towards it as well. If I get taken off the roster for some reason, they have to offer the team that you were originally with the opportunity to take you back. They could offer to take you back, they could accept it, or they could let you stay with that organization. A lot of different situations do occur. And you know what? It's a good thing for some prospects because you do see some beneficial stories out of it. I hate to bring this one up, but it is Yankee-related. Garrett Whitlock gets selected in the Rule 5 draft by the Red Sox. The Yankees thought nobody was going to take him. He was injured. Thought maybe they'd have a chance to get him back if somebody did select him. Well, he became a staple in the Red Sox bullpen, and there was no returning him to the Yankees organization. So organizations have a lot to look into in regards to who they're going to keep And, of course, some tough decisions with their current 40-man roster. And the Yankees made a handful of moves in order to protect some of their prospects. In total, they protected five of their minor leaguers who are eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And we're going to get into them in a little bit. But first, we are going to look at the roster casualties that did come from this. The Yankees did remove five players from their 40-man roster. And let's start With the first trade and the first domino that came into effect, the Yankees trading reliever Nick Nelson and catcher Donnie Sands to the Philadelphia Phillies for TJ Rumfield and Joel Valdez. Rumfield, a 12th round pick in last year's draft out of Virginia Tech. He has minimal minor league experience. Same thing with Valdez, a left-handed pitcher. Has some really good stuff if you look up some video on him. Projects as a starter at this point recently was last used as a starting pitcher and the move made sense for the Yankees because it did one of two things number one it cleared up two roster spaces number two it brought in two prospects that the Yankees seem to like and are guys that still have a lot of time left in the minor leagues they are not pushing that rule five draft eligibility so it killed two birds with one stone per se and the Yankees were able to take advantage of that Nelson, I think Yankee fans are thrilled to see him go. Really struggled, but again, another guy that Aaron Boone seemed to utilize a lot, especially when Yankee fans didn't want to see him on the mound. Sands, who was added to the 40-man roster a couple of weeks back, 
is a guy that I guess the Yankees don't see as a catcher in their organization and figured why not get something back for him instead of having to DFA him and possibly lose him for nothing. So that was the first domino that fell. That minor trade with the Phillies. And of course, you have to look at the Joe Girardi connection. Knows Nelson well. Probably knows a bit about Sands. It seems like Philly is very much in-depth in what the Yankees are doing with their farm system and, and take chances on some of their former players. It might become the Yankees of Philadelphia at some point in the near future. The following three moves, the Yankees designated three players for assignment. And to be quite honest with you, I was surprised about two of them. Number one was Rudnego Dor. The second one was outfielder Clint Frazier. And the third and final one was Tyler Wade. Let's start off with Odor. Yankees acquired him during the season. They were looking to add some left-handed pop in their lineup. But again, he is a boom or bust type of player. Yeah, he does have tremendous power. But, you know, when you're striking out the majority of your at-bats, it doesn't help a lineup that already is strikeout prone. And he brings a lot of energy. He was good in the clubhouse. And I think that's why the Yankees did, in fact, keep him around as long as they did. I feel like he really became a staple in the locker room. And the Yankees were afraid to mess with that kind of chemistry. He was owed $12 million in 2022 with a $3 million buyout for 2023. That will be entirely paid by the Texas Rangers. So again, it was a guy who wasn't owed much by the Yankees, but... It's the Yankees showing that they didn't have plans for him in the near future, especially looking ahead to 2022. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would say that Odor ends up getting put on waivers, does not get claimed, possibly signed elsewhere on a minor league pact. Maybe a team feels that they can get him back to his early minor league days where he showed a lot more promise with putting the bat on the ball. The second guy, Clint Frazier, and if you listen to the show and you go back, this one does hurt me because I do love Clint Frazier. And I'm going to sound a little biased in part of what I say, but I'm going to talk about the facts of the situation. Number one, Frazier's injury history, the concussion protocol, the vertigo, the problems with his head. You know, that is a concern. And even though Brian Cashman did state that he should be ready for spring training, there still has to be that concern in your mind. How long does that continue? And can you take a gamble on him, especially you know, if you're expecting him to play a big role in your outfield? Number two, I feel like the Yankees and Frazier were on a path to part for quite some time now. I don't think the Yankees handled the Clint Frazier situation well. I've said it before. When the Yankees acquired him, I felt like he was a little immature. You saw some things that he posted on social media and the way he acted. And it's not really justified because, of course, a young minor leaguer thinking that he's big league ready, he wasn't getting the opportunity, and he was voicing his opinion about it. But again, on the Yankee side of things, I feel like they handled his situation completely wrong. First of all, I felt like Brett Gardner was the biggest crutch in Frazier's development. The Yankees were giving ample playing time to Gardner over Frazier while they could have been getting Frazier ready to take on a bigger role. I think with the big league experience and the everyday play, I felt like Frazier would be a capable 
big league player. Now, of course, I don't think that after the 10 days are up, Frazier's going to accept an outright assignment. I do think that somebody will take a chance on him. There's plenty of teams looking for outfield depth. Maybe the newly named Cleveland Guardians, who had Frazier when they were the Cleveland Indians, take a chance on him and see if they can get him back on track. He is a guy that I feel has so much potential. And if he's healthy, I think that somebody's going to get really lucky to have him on their roster as long as he stays growing in this maturity factor. I always felt that this was destined. I didn't think that Frazier was long-term in New York. Unfortunately, when he had the chance to be the everyday left fielder, he didn't grab the job by the horn, struggled mightily, then had the concussion issues. You know, it's a disappointing situation. But as a fan of Frazier, I wish him the best. I'm going to miss John Sterling's downtown goes Frazier calls for him. But again, I think that a fresh start is something that is going to be good for him. And I think that a team is going to benefit from adding him into the mix. Now, if you would have asked me five years ago what I thought about the Yankees and Tyler Wade, I would have told you he's a bum. I want him out of here. You know, I, I never thought that he was long-lived to stay in New York. However, Wade starts to gel into this role as a versatile infielder slash outfielder slash pinch runner and does a little bit of everything. And he was coming off a year in which he hit over 260. So you finally saw a little bit of Wade starting to swing the bat well. Of course, Wade had no minor league options going into next year. And knowing Brian Cashman, that last member on the bench, they like to have options available because they do like to mix and match often with regards to their roster. I'm a little bit disappointed, a little bit shocked by this Wade move. I do think that he could have contributed to this Yankees team, but I also understand it. I think that they're looking at this situation and they're saying, you know, we've seen what we could get from Wade. We aren't going to get much more. He's really at his ceiling. We don't see him as an everyday player with us. Let's cut ties and see what happens. Out of the three that they designated for assignment, I think that Wade has the best chance to accept an outright assignment and try to regain his stock within the organization. But I could very clearly see a team calling the Yankees and trying to make a trade for him, give up some low-level prospects in return or cash, and try to take a chance on him because there are a lot of things to like about his game. Speed, versatility, doesn't seem to be a problem in the clubhouse. Very good at stealing bases, stole 17 in 2021. So again, he's the guy that if you look at the three, I think has the best chance of making a possible return. But at the end of the day, I don't think he gets through waivers. And I quite frankly don't think that he stays with the Yankees organization. It's a little shocking to say the least. I wasn't expecting it. There's some guys on the 40 man that I can make the case for that I thought they would DFA before him, like a Chris Gittins or maybe even a Miguel Andujar. But nonetheless, this is the decision they made. And the Yankees must have a plan for how they're going to fill that utility role because I don't think they would have made this move unless they had something in mind. Now, with these moves, the Yankees have brought five men onto their 40-man roster. I want to give you a little bit of a breakdown on each, okay? First, left-handed pitcher J.P. Sears. He, to me, looks like a bottom-of-the-rotation type of starter. Last year was 10-2 between double-A AA and triple-A, had a 3.46 ERA, 
has a pretty nice mix of pitches. If you watch some YouTube videos on him and stuff, I've been doing a lot of research on these Yankees prospects. He's a guy that I think the Yankees feel could be a staple in their rotation or they could use him as a middle reliever type of role because he has shown effectiveness in getting through multiple innings. So he's a guy Yankees feel has a lot of upside and of course they decided to put him on the 40-man roster so they can't lose him. Steven Ridings, we saw him last year in the big leagues. I think if the Yankees didn't bring him onto the 40-man roster, people would have revolted, especially after the whole Garrett Whitlock situation last year. Ridings has some filthy stuff. Six foot eight, five games in the major leagues last year, 1.8 ERA, had a 1.24 ERA in 22 innings in double A and triple A last year, struck out 42 batters over that span. So again, he's another guy, a lot of upside. He's a guy that I really expect to see in the Yankees bullpen this year. With the way the Yankees bullpen is shaping up, you lose a guy like Darren O'Day who really didn't do much. Britain is going to be out for most of, if not the whole year. Ridings is a guy I would take a chance on to fill one of those bullpen spots. He has a lot of talent and a lot of ability. Expect to see a lot of him in 2022. Now this next guy, I have to give credit where credit's due because I was reading on Twitter and Matt Cardos, who's a Somerset Patriots beat writer, said that the Yankees should think long and hard about protecting Ron Marinaccio. And he brought up the fact of not only is he a 26-year-old right-hander, but over 66 and one-third innings of work last year, he struck out 105 batters and opposition hit just 153 against him. Has a high 90s fastball, nice slider, good changeup. It's a three-pitch mix that is rather impressive. And if you look on YouTube, and again, I do a lot of video searching on YouTube, you'll see this guy can pitch. He's got some good stuff. He's a guy that, you know, is a local product, the Tom's River guy. He should make his big league debut at some point next year, the way that he pitched this year. Another guy that I'm glad the Yankees didn't give up on and, and coveted with this Rule 5 draft coming up. Again, he's a guy that I really didn't know much about until I read that tweet from Cardos. But again, I am happy that they kept him within the mix. The following two are both position players. Everson Pereira. 20-year-old Venezuelan center fielder. Keep hearing a lot about him. Got up to high A last year. Had 20 homers in 49 games last year. That's pretty impressive. Hit 303. Still a ways off, but I think that the Yankees want to make sure they don't lose him because of his high ceiling. Should progress through the minor league system relatively quickly. I expect to see him in the big leagues by 22 or 23. Heck, maybe the Yankees use him in a big trade for, say, a first baseman, Quaff. Matt Olson, but you never know. And the other guy they kept on the 40-man roster, switch hitting infielder Oswaldo Cabrera. He's a guy that if you're looking at the Yankees roster right now, he should be the front runner to replace Wade as that utility guy on the bench. Double A Northeast League MVP last year, hit 272, 29 homers and 89 RBIs in 118 games. He's got a lot of upside. And one thing that he showed this year that he didn't show in the past was his ability to hit for power. Now you're going to put this guy with some power on the bench. You can use him in multiple positions. That could be a piece that the Yankees could have for cheap on their bench who could fill a much needed role. So again, 
Another guy I don't think they were going to let walk, especially after his monster season in A. There's a very good chance he could start the season with the big league club or be very close behind in AAA as 2022 kicks off. So overall, I like who the Yankees added to their 40-man roster. Of course, there's some guys that they could lose in the Rule 5 draft, and we'll talk about that after the Rule 5 draft passes. But again, I just think that we're in a situation where the Yankees saw three guys, four if you include Nick Nelson, who they didn't project a future with the franchise and said, you know what, it's time to cut ties. Of course, like I said before, I'm most disappointed in Frazier. I'm more surprised about Wade. I'm not shocked at all by Rugi Odor, even though I do like having Rugi around. He's a pretty good clubhouse guy. Nelson, ship him to the moon. Good luck in Philly. And of course, Donnie Sands. We didn't get to see anything of him in the big leagues, but he's a guy who just felt that the Yankees didn't project as somebody who they could see as their everyday catcher and said, you know what, let's get something of value for him. And of course, when you have a solid foundation in your farm system, these are the tough decisions you're going to have to make. At this point, the guys that they have in the minor leagues have the high upside. The guys that they let go, Brian Cashman held on to a little bit too long and they lost value, such as Frazier. But again, you win some, you lose some, and this is just the start of what is to come for the Yankees roster overhaul for the 2022 season. And as those moves come in, we'll continue to provide updates and show content for you. Make sure you're subscribing to our show on whatever podcasting platform you listen on so you get all the latest news and updates regarding our recent releases. Can you believe it? Episode 150 is in the books. Hopefully, we have much, much more content to roll out to you in the very near future. Once again, my name is Nick Delahanty, and I'm the proud host of the Pinstripe Talk podcast, powered to you by Delahanty Media. As always, let's go Yankees. Can't wait to hear some more Yankees news and talk about it all with you. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you really soon. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit